As a real estate agent, you know that the industry can be tough to navigate with constant challenges and obstacles to overcome. That's why we created the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast, where top performing agents share their insights and strategies for success. Join us as we dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly of growing a thriving real estate business. Your host, Lindsay Favaza, will be your guide on this journey. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn from the best in the business. Welcome to season three of the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Favaza, and we have a shiny new opener you just got to listen to, so that's exciting. And we will now be putting the video recordings of each episode on our YouTube channel. So that's new as well this season. I'm super excited about that. It will be awesome for you guys to not only listen to, but also be able to watch your favorite guests describe their stories. As always, our guests this season will be kick-ass real estate professionals that are crushing their goals, but also willing to share how they do it with all of you. Today, though, we're changing it up a bit for the season opening episode. I'm thrilled to be sitting here today with Anthony Lamacchia, broker owner of Lamacchia Realty, and you all obviously know him as the voice and face of Crush It in Real Estate. Before you say hello, I know you're excited and that you want to dive listen. into this. I know, I know, but you have to sit there and you have to wait because I have to give you the introduction that you deserve. So... Anthony's journey in real estate began when he worked with his father's landscape company, and he learned the ins and outs of running a successful business from both his dad and from his grandfather. He quickly realized that real estate was where he wanted to focus, so he got licensed and dove right in. He quickly became a top-performing agent, earning the title of number one realtor by sales in Massachusetts for several years. Since then, Anthony has built Lamaki Realty into one of the fastest-growing real estate companies in Massachusetts, and the company has been recognized on the Inc. 5000 list of the fastest growing private companies in America every year since 2012. Over the last few years, he and his leadership team have had their eyes set on growing outside of all Massachusetts. Right, all right, all right, enough Relax, is enough. Just, You're just part of wait. that leadership team. Of course I am, but outside of Massachusetts and now have offices in New Hampshire, Florida, and Connecticut. He has been training realtors on how to grow their business from when he had a team model, and now he trains over 500 independent realtors within the company and over 5,000 training clients all throughout North America. All right. That's enough. Enough is enough. Let's dive in, Anthony. And I want to hear your journey. I want to hear all the plans that you have for the future. So welcome to the podcast, stranger. Well, thank you for having me. And Lindsay, I have to give you a lot of credit here because you've done a terrific job building up this podcast following. I just asked you before we uh, started how many people are listening to each podcast. And you said we're getting 500. 500 followers. Well, we have about 500 subscribers to the podcast. Yeah. They listen very actively on every episode. So thank you to our audience. I really appreciate I'm you guys. I'm glad to hear that. And I'm hoping that my uh, participation here today will substantially increase that following. We'll see. We'll have to see how I do. <laughs> we'll see. We'll have or to see how uh, you do, how, yeah. how bad the questions are. Exactly. And I have some I have a little. Oh, yeah. So let's take us back to the early days. Yes. Let's take us to yes. the early days. We'll make sure That's to put this up picture. on the video so people can see. Yeah. Your dad gave me this. And and my dad put him up. Remember one time he put him up all over the office, yeah. the bathroom. Yeah, he sent people it to us in a letter. People were going to the men's room and see. Oh, oh, he goodness. sent it to you too? He sent it to me in a letter. I yeah. And I my dad, it. you never quite know what's going to happen. He's so a very entertaining us, family member. Tell us about the early years. Tell yeah. us about how you got the brain that you got, which is obviously different from most, and how you got started early on. Well, there's a lot. <laughs> we don't have three hours, but I I grew up uh, very fortunate, in my opinion. Most people would not agree with that statement, as you know, because you know me. Uh, but I was fortunate in the sense of uh, growing up in a business environment. Obviously, uh, well, maybe not obvious to everybody, but it is to you. 
my early childhood years were difficult times. And that's why when I was nine years old, I finally ended up back with my grandparents. Uh, and from nine to, you know, an adult, I had three parents, my grandparents and my dad, which wasn't fun when you got in trouble, when I got in trouble, which as you know, was quite often. Uh, and then I'd get yelled at from three people. But uh, I was fortunate in the sense that I grew up where business was pretty much all we talked about. And I mentioned this in the Real Talk with Anthony videos, and they actually show a picture of me, my dad, and my grandfather when I was probably 19. Um, and uh, my poor grandmother used to say, is all we're going to talk about is business? Every night at dinner, I just have to poor, hear business. Poor woman. <laughs> but no, there was no woman talk. It was business, business, business all the time. And that's pretty much what the subject was at all times. And and when I say business, we talked about my dad's business, which at that time was, you know, a small company in the late 80s, early 90s. And but we also talked about like the day's news. And that's kind of what drove my grandmother nuts because she enjoyed hearing about at that time, you know, her son's business. And but when we would start talking about GM or Enron and when the whole Enron thing went down or, you know, all these other businesses out there, she would be like, what do I care about them? You know, and, and but that really taught me a lot about business at a bigger picture. So he was an accountant at Raytheon and he did the taxes for everybody in the family. And then he did my dad's books. So my dad's books at the time, my grandfather used to do them on the old accounting sheets. Those uh, 11 by 17, kind of like uh, ugly manila color. Did they have like the rip-off sides too? I remember my uh, mom doing stuff that had like rip-off. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because everything was done on a pad of paper and he would handwrite it. And so, you know, I was lucky, very lucky that probably starting at, uh, I mean, I started working so young that if I say it, people don't believe it. So I really don't even say it. I just say, I, I mean, I was, I was doing full summers at seven years old with my dad. Uh, and, and at that time, the punishment, if I was really out of line was you can't go to work. That's how obsessed I was with working. I ever tell you that? Yeah, that was the punishment. Actually, I have a funny story. So seven years old, we're living in Wayland. We left Watertown when I was about five, moved to Wayland, lived there like, I don't know, a year and a half or something. And then we moved to, uh, Hopkinton for a couple of years. And then I was nine. I got back with my grandparents. So anyway, I get punished. I got in a lot of trouble. I was about seven. You can't go to work tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, I, I don't agree, right? So I put up a stink. I'm yelling, you know, mad, arguing with my dad, whopping. This is Anthony Lamacchia, seven years old. My dad's like, nope, you're not going to work. End of story. Puts me to bed. I wake up in the morning. He had already left for work. I was pissed that I didn't get to go to work. And I mean pissed. Like I was sour the whole day. So this is what I did. We just finished having a new septic system installed in the backyard. It just got graded. And they just put the grass seed down. So a company, my dad didn't do it, even though he was a landscaper, the company that did the septic, they, they filled everything in, they graded the yard, they put loom down, they put seed. So despite my dad, I went out in the yard and I dug a hole because the yard had holes in it for like, I don't know, what felt like three months. I don't really remember. Maybe it was a month. Well, they were putting the septic in. So my dad was sick of it. He would always complain about it. So I said, to get him back, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to dig a hole in the middle of the yard. So I go out, I'm about halfway done digging the hole, and my stepmom comes out and she's like, Anthony, dad's going to, like, you're, you're going to get it for this. Like, you're in big trouble. You, you shouldn't be doing this. And I was like, yeah, okay. And she's like, you're going to regret it. And I distinctly remember digging where I got down to, like, where they had, like, sand and clay or whatever, you know, gravel components they had for the septic. So I'm digging it up. And um, my dad comes home, and it's 6 o'clock at night. I'll never forget. I was starving. And my dad walks over to the hole, looks down on the hole, and I'm like, 
realistically probably chest deep, seven years old. So it's like three feet whole. Oh, no, I've been at her for like three hours. Just my anger, right? And my dad's like, wow, you think you're, you think you're a wise guy digging this hole huh, in my yard? Great. Here's the deal. You don't come in back in the house till you fill it in. And I was like, holy shit. And I'm looking at this mound of dirt and I'm starving. And I'm like, well, I want to eat. And he's like, no, you don't come in the house until you, you fill it in. in yeah, no, I did. Of course Literally, I did. He, he, he did he, as a parent, he did the right thing. Yeah. So what did I do? I sat there. And, not even sit there. I stood there crying. And, and, I, and he was like, you're filling it in. And I filled the whole hill in. And I remember at the very end, when there was probably six inches to go, he came out and helped me grade it because oh, he felt bad. Plus helped you me probably grade it. To make sure that you did the end part right. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and then we went in and had dinner. But you know, point being, I was obsessed with work from a very young age. There's a lot of reasons for that. I don't commonly get into them, but you know, we money wasn't exactly plentiful, and it gave me a chip on my shoulder and made me want to work, 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 and make money. And um, that was kind of how it went. And then, and then when we even though I didn't live with my grandparents, I was with them a lot. So I would, I would be able to work with my dad on a Saturday, for example, spread mulch, loom, whatever, cut someone's lawn. And the next day, my grandfather would be doing like a job cost sheet manually. And I'm probably 10-ish years old. And I'd be like, no, no, we didn't use six yards of mulch there. We used four. We used three at the next job. And I kind of like became the helper for that with my grandfather. Not formally, but Often enough that yeah. like he would listen to me and realize I knew what materials we used at what jobs. If we bought some brooms or we bought something, I'd, oh, we bought a blower Don't yesterday. About this, yeah. Yeah, and, and it kind of became a thing. And then when I was 12 years old, I remember like it happened this morning. My grandfather said, today you're going to learn about, I remember he said he called them financial reports. You're going to learn about financial reports. I was 12 years old and that was the day he taught me a profit and loss balance sheet, accounts receivable, accounts payable. And I was very interested and my dad points that out. Sometimes my dad says, oh, you give us more credit than you should. Well, if I didn't have them, I, there's no way in hell. Been, I basically went yeah. to business college as a teenager. Yeah. And I would never have been able to do that if it wasn't for them. But yes, is the truth that I was highly interested and highly motivated? Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of how it started. I knew at a very young age I would be a business owner. I thought I would um, only be involved in, uh, I don't want to say only, that's not true, but I, I thought my biggest business and the biggest thing would be the landscaping company. So when did the spark hit for real estate? Well, when I was about 20 years old, um, I really started paying attention to real estate, looking at condos, looking at multifamilies. And I remember I was kind of enamored by the fact that, wait, I could buy a two-family, rent both units, and that would be an investment. So before I even moved out of living with my grandparents, I moved out of there when I was 23. I bought a condo, fixed it up, got it rented. Um, then I bought a multifamily in Worcester on Southbridge Street in Worcester, uh, got it rented. Then I flipped the condo. Then I bought another one. And then I bought a two-family house that I moved into. But buying and selling or buying and renting was really what got me going in real estate. Because at that time, you were still working for your dad at the land. Still working company. for my dad at least 60 hours a week, you know, making pretty good money for a yeah. 20, 21, 22 year old kid. And I started working so young that when I graduated high school, I had a sizable amount of money in the bank. So I was able to buy um, a property. Let me think about this. Uh, a year and uh, I was, it was like a week after I turned 21, I was able to buy a property. So I guess I was out of high school two years. Yeah. So it was a young age. So you got into real estate. Yep. Um, at the time, 
you know, what what were those well, early years like? It was no, but it was a couple of years after that I said, oh, you know, maybe I maybe I should be a realtor, you know. And I and I thought about getting a real estate license. And the guy who I was working with buying properties, I told him I was thinking of doing it. And I told him I was thinking of leaving the family business, which was a very uncomfortable time in my life. It was a very tricky time. My dad didn't take it well. Uh, as you know, and uh, it was tough. It was tough, and I but I made the decision, and I got a real estate license in July of '04, and then told my dad, and uh, it went over very poorly. My grandfather had to get involved, and my dad really took it to heart. And you know, there's a lot more to the story on why he took it to heart, but 23 year old Anthony didn't get that, and my grandfather did. And my I'm grandfather sure was a like, lot "Hey, of people that can." Well, yeah, and, and you know, I remember my grandfather said to me, "You know, to you, this is a job. To your dad." who was left with you when your mom left when you were two, this is a big deal. And I was like, shit. And, and I went like from- it sounds like you helped him too. Yo, so. I grew the business substantially. Yeah, yeah in high school. And yeah. then when I got out of high school, we were really able to grow. I had a knack for business. Yeah. And I was, I mean, so it was like call this- me cocky. Yeah. I was good at it from a young age. And I was able to grow the business. So my dad, from where he sat, he's like, well, you grew this. Now you're gonna leave. Yeah, like your business partner's leaving you. Yeah, and and you know it was tough. It was a it was a tough time, and and I looked at it like we were partners. He didn't, and now as a 42 year old man, I understand why he didn't, and some of the comments that he made irked me. But I look back and I'm like, well, he was right because you know. But it's hard, and we're both bullheaded. My dad and I are very alike. Uh, the difference is I'm more of a controlled, calculated, uh, thought out person. He's more reactionary. I'm more like my grandfather. And it's funny, bringing up my grandfather, my dad and my grandfather literally out loud used to say to me, my grandfather would say to me, listen, you want to be a big businessman someday? I'm talking 14 years old, 15 years old. He would say to me, you can do it. I believe you could. You have the ability to do it. You have a ton of energy. You really understand business. You're hardworking. But I'm going to tell you now, as much as you're learning from me, you can't be just like me because you'll never build a business. I'm too... Uh, conservative. He would use the word conservative. And your dad uh, is is wild. And that's why he has a business. He's more of a wild character. Uh, but if you're totally like your dad, you know, that, that won't work out well either because it's too much. And then my dad used to literally tell me, don't be all like me. Yeah. You know, I, 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 that I, yeah, I, I you know, I went too. bankrupt once I've had struggles, blah, blah, blah. His details I'm not going to get into, but he would literally say, so you got to be more like grandpa, but don't be totally like grandpa. And they literally, and I don't, to this day, I'd love to ask my dad. Maybe he'll tell me after he listens to this because I'm sure he will. He's my biggest, my biggest fan, biggest supporter. But I want to ask my dad: Did they collude on that? Yeah. So, Dad, if you're Is this listening, like a plan? well, I want to know: Did they say to each other, "Let's," or did they just do that on their own? I, I don't know. Uh, but they were smart to do it because they were right. Yeah. They were right. If I was all my grandfather, I never would have built a business. If I was all my dad, it would have been harder, and and I would nice happy me. Yes, and that was my goal. So that's the beginnings. You ask when I got into real estate. Um, that's what led me into real estate. I got into it. I became an agent. You were a top performing agent. Pretty quickly. quickly. Within, within a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. The first, the first 20 months in the business, I was still working with my dad and real estate, basically full-time, both jobs, 80, 90, hundred hours a week. But I was very determined uh, as you can guess, Lindsay. Yeah. And, um, I just worked hard to build a database to market. Another thing I learned working with my dad that I was just enamored by, I was fascinated at a young age. He would send postcards out. To this day, the postcards in the landscaping space, as you know, because you're the VP it's of so marketing. It's satisfying. You it's, send one out, it's and amazing. The phone rings. In it's the amazing. landscape world, you send them out, the phone goes nuts. The real estate real world, estate you send world, them out, you get two calls. And it's, they don't come for nine months until after the postcards. Correct. But, but I didn't know that when I started. So when I started, I was like, oh, I'm going to have the same luck with postcards 
with real estate that I have in the landscaping space, not the case. But I still was very bold with my marketing because I learned from watching my dad. I mean, I remember when I was real young, there were times he didn't even have the money to pay for the newspaper ad and he would just tell them to do it. And he'd be like, I'll pay them in 60 days. I'm like, no, dad, but I, I was in the meeting. They said you have to pay in 30. He's like, what are they going to do? Take the, t- take the ad newspaper back. ad back? Yeah. yeah. He's like, I need to run the ad. And I'm like, okay. Right. It was so funny. But I, that was really what gave me an understanding of marketing. So I was very bold with my marketing from the beginning. I sent postcards to my sphere, postcards to my database. And what I found is my sphere that I grew up with that I knew, they were pretty good to me. The sphere that I knew through working with my dad wasn't. They looked at me like the landscaping kid. I didn't get much business from them at all. Um, And to this day, I get some, but not a ton. But um, we also worked in an extremely high-end luxury community, so it's a little different. It's hard to break into luxury even as an experienced realtor, never mind a 23-year-old, like, hey, I'm going to take the world over a kid. You know, it was totally different. I had a business partner. My business partner was the realtor that was helping me buy homes. Um, John McGeo, good guy, and still in touch with him. And so he and I and Sarah Chase on started, and we literally used an extra bedroom in my house. I had one, uh, we had, I had a three bedroom. One of them was where my bedroom was, the small room I took on my own, and him and Sarah were in the other room. And we just built up from there. And then we started selling so much that we had to hire, we had to get an office, we had to hire people. And I will tell you, yeah, I, I made obviously a lot of moves that worked, but I also made a lot of moves that failed. But Benefit of hindsight, I will admit my timing with the market and with television advertising couldn't have been better. I mean, if I started now with TV ads like I did in 06, they wouldn't work. No, I would have said they didn't work. And I kind of, in a way, struck gold at the right time where the market had a tremendous amount of inventory, a tremendous amount of homes were being listed at that time. There were years there in Massachusetts, 150,000 homes a year were being listed. This is 06, 7, 8. And now, comparatively speaking, there's like 80,000 homes being listed. This year, it'll probably be less. So I happened to run the ads when tons of people were listing. And then I worked my butt off to really learn how to price homes right, how to work with sellers. And I went through some tough years. I lost listings. You know, I was too aggressive on appointments, but... Obviously, I did enough that I'm here. Um, and then we just grew it. And then in 09, we were outselling our entire office. The company we were at, we were selling more than the whole company. And the leader, who actually is a great guy to this day, my neighbor, a good friend, uh, but he sold a lot too. But we were it was like, it was just too much to be there. I remember one Sunday, he said to me, I got to come back from the Cape to write your checks for the week. And I'm like, all right, we're getting to be too much here. you know. And the truth is we would have left you know, anyway. We always had Envision going on our own. He knew that. He was very supportive. And I'll tell you, I don't know if he'll listen to this, probably not, but maybe I'll send it to him now. But I learned from him because when we went on our own, he was very supportive. And he came in here, right here, right here, with uh, a huge thing of flowers when we had our grand opening. And I learned from that. I was still a young guy at the time. And, you know, he set a good example and he was supportive of us. He could have gone down the same path that your dad went down, which is like, anger. Fine, whatever. Of course, of of course. Good luck on your own, you know? You're right, but it was a little different circumstances. I mean, the the past broker, I almost said his name, he was at a brokerage and a lot of brokers get butthurt, but I think he knew we were going to build something. He knew I was going to build something. And he saw something and he, and he, knew he, he did. Yeah. It. And he supported me. And I, and I know that for him was a little annoying, but he was supportive and I never forgot it to this day. So you're running the team now. Yeah. So team model, but we were like a team originally. We own the brokerage, but we're running a team model. We're producing the leads. We're giving out the leads. And I'll tell you, 
as the market started to get back to somewhat normal, which was like 2011 to 13, the TV ads were decreasing. So part of what forced my hand into, hey, I got to figure out other ways to grow this thing was that. Granted, I always did have a vision of building a huge brokerage, um, but that pushed me into it. And I started getting this vision of, well, why aren't we opening offices in other areas in these? Because whenever we didn't get business, Lindsay, every single time, well, you're in Waltham, my house is in Bolton. You're in Waltham, my house is in Lemonster. You're in Waltham, I'm here in Beverly. You know, it was always geography. Other than that, we got every listing appointment we went on, close to. And I said, we should be producing leads, opening offices in other areas, and take the whole state over, and then take New England over. And then, down the line, you know, to what extent do we go nationally? And that was where my ex-business partner and I, our, our visions weren't quite aligned. And I kind of had my own vision on how I wanted to do it. And... Um, Started moving in that direction a little, but wasn't totally able to. So 2014, um, he and I had conversations about he, how he wanted to get back into building. And, you know, me being my personality that I am, I was like, great, good luck. Yeah, I want to take this off on my own. And him and I made a deal right in this room uh, at 9 o'clock on a Sunday night. Very amicable. Uh, in touch to this day. Have nothing but respect for him. He's a good person. And um, bought him out. And we had the most undramatic buyout probably of any two business partners ever. I stuck to my word. He stuck to his. We communicated along the way. There was one winter there. I bought him out September of um, 14. The fall of 14 was a very slow fall in real estate. You know, you, you remember the slow falls. And, and here's what's funny, incidentally. 10 was slow. 14 was slow. 18 was slow. 22 was slow. What do those years have in common? Midterm election years. Anyway, the fall of 14 was slow. I buy him out September 23rd, 14, write a huge check, sign my life away. We have a slow fall. Then that winter was the snow worst storms. snowstorms ever. Oh, yeah. The whole market shuts down in the month of the February 2015. State? And I got to pay this guy every month. And I'll never forget, I called him and I said, Listen, I'm worried. I think I can pay it, but I'm worried. And, you know, he didn't go over well. But we stayed amicable. We talked through it. I told him what was going on, never missed a payment. Stuck with the payments five years straight, every payment when it was supposed to be. But we made it work. And to this day, I have respect for him and I wish him nothing but the best. And I swear there's still people that always ask, what happened to this? It happens. Yeah, it's last. It's it's worn off. The people finally have that story. And this is truly the story. There's no drama. There's no like crazy story behind the scenes. I think people always want that. Like, of course. It's like it's like if people split up. What happened? Who's luck with TV? Yeah, Yeah, there was none of that. that. I literally wish him nothing but the best. If he called me in the middle of the night for help, I'd be there in five minutes. Yeah, for sure. All good. So tell me the difference of now you've you know, started to head into the independent brokerage model. Yeah, 2015, yeah. Um, And the difference between being a realtor to now being, then being a team leader to then being a broker. What's the difference? Oh, there was some big adjustments along the way. And funny enough, I had a conversation with someone yesterday about this road here because this person that I talked to in another state is struggling with it. But, you know, you have to change your hats. And that's the fun. See, that's the part that so many people struggle with in business is the changing of the hats. They don't understand that as you grow, you have to change. If you do not change, if you stop changing, you will not grow. So my job today is not what it was five years ago. It's not what it was five years before. In five years from now, it'll be different. And I've 
most of the time done pretty good with those adjustments. Sometimes I think I've been a little slow, but in everybody else's eyes, I'm fast, but you know, from my own standards. So, you know, there was some adjustments. There was some swallowing of pride. For example, one of the things that I proudly did from 2010 to 15 was I'm Anthony Lamacchio and I'm the number one realtor in Massachusetts, number one team in Massachusetts. You go back and look at real trends. We were, I wasn't even close. We did more transactions than anybody. And I got to 15 and I realized that was hurting me. And I said, okay, that's helping me with consumers. But if I want to grow the brokerage, I, it can't be the Anthony show. No. So I started backing that stuff off in 14, but 15, once I owned it on my own, I had nobody to check with. Nobody. I said, that's it. And we didn't even submit our numbers, even though we were somewhat of a team ridge still to Real Trends. So if you look at Real Trends history, somewhere around, I got to make sure I, I qualify this because someone will call me out. Someone in California will say, he said somewhere around 09 to somewhere around 14, we were number one in mass. And I, I got up to 26th team in the country. We had about eight of us. We were selling... Five to 600 homes a year. Jackie, our, my chief operating officer, my number two now, she was the star agent. But uh, the other execs, your coworkers, Mike was a star signing up listings. Dave was a star signing up listings. Sarah Chason's just been the, the back office worker in history forever, right? And we had all these people, Angela uh, Walker, now Rastellini, you know, she was running the team. And so, and it's funny, we're kind of like a family and we fight sometimes, but we, we never leave each other, never turn on each other's backs, you know, always. And, and we just changed. And I'll tell you, getting them to change was as hard as getting me to change. And in some ways it was worse. It was, it, truth is it was worse. Yeah. And so along the well, way, you had the vision. It's I had the vision. I had to, to get like, them to see it. Yeah. I remember like yesterday being out on a bench out there with Jackie arguing with her one day and she was upset. This is like eight, nine years ago. And she, ah, why are you changing this or that? You know, it was, it was tough. Uh, Dave and I, you know, Mike and I, all of us along the way, we've banged heads or, or had a, but I had to get them to see my vision. But I'll tell you something about these people. When they saw it, game was over. Once I got them to see it, game was over. Their focus was 100%. And one thing about our group, there's never an I told you so. You know that because you're part of the clan now. There's never an I told you so. Uh, or if there is, it's never a I told you so. No, it's it's, 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 it's like just a joke. Yeah. Or the person who was wrong will bring it up. Yeah. Like, yeah, all right, you yeah, were right. You were right. Yeah. right? But so you asked about the transition. So I had to take the realtor hat off and throw it away. Yep. Then I had to take the team leader hat off and throw it away. Yep. And then it was broker owner. And I made a, some very specific changes at that time. You know, we had to stop putting things under Lamakia team in MLS. And stupidly, I waited a couple extra years on that. And billboards, stop putting my face on them. Because I want the company to be about the brand and about the realtors in it, not the Anthony show. Now, due to the nature of the business we're in, there's a lot of Anthony. But I tried to decrease it, as you know, because yep, you came in. Right what year did you time. start? 15 or 16? I was 16, early 16. That's right. So it was right around that time that I started. We were decreasing putting yep. my face. You don't see my face on billboards anymore unless it's a new market because we want to connect. And I'm, I'm saying this to everybody else. Lindsay knows this because we want to connect the faces. Uh, we want to connect my face, not the faces, with what people see we on TV. We want to do what worked in the yes. beginning in those markets and then... God blessed me with uh, a lot of things he didn't bless me with. I can't barely spell my name, but I, I can talk on camera. So for television, obviously, there's no one else that's going to be a stand-in. But for billboards, for other marketing we do, the marketing that we do at DCU, at the ICE centers, at the all the sponsorships, you don't see my face. You see the logo. Logo, logo, logo. The hats, the, logo. the shirts. Logo, and logo, logo. It is so recognizable. Yeah, it's so. exciting. 
thing. It's yeah. really, I'll tell you, everybody that joins always says, it happened to me on Friday, they said, Anthony, I was with the such and such company and I can't believe they've been around for how many years? And I know the company. So I said, oh, about 50 years. And they said, no one said anything to me when I wore their jackets, but I wear the Lamakia jackets and people walk up, tap me on the shoulder. Oh, they sold my house. Oh, do you know that guy? And uh, it's exciting because we have invested significantly in the brand. And we, as you know, plan to do that for decades. Yeah. I mean, and there's it, years that the TV ads were kind of diminishing. But oh, yeah. you're seeing the return like right now. on that. Yeah, like right now. You're seeing the return now because you're like, wow, people still know the brand really the well. Br yes. So the ads yeah. we do now are for branding. You know, yeah. someday we get back to a high inventory market, we'll turn it up and we'll have a head start. But bottom line, to get back to your question, is I had to change my hats along the way. And I did it and I accepted that. So talk to me about motivation. We're going to switch gears for a second. <laughs> okay. I know you're kind of a freak of nature when it comes to this kind of stuff. That's but what I'm told. Everyone has their times where their motivation wanes a little bit and they have to get themselves back on track. So have you had an example no. of something like that happening? No. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know what to say. Question. I don't. I mean, what do you mean? Like motivation for you, business? or? Yeah. I mean, motivation to like not eat a chocolate chip cookie? Yeah, I get weak on that. You know that. <laughs> That's my weakness, right? So it's more personal things that you lack. Yeah, but business? Sometimes. No, no. There's never been a day. Never there's time. never been a minute. There's never been a 10-second period where I've been like, oh, my God, I'm not into this, or I'm not as excited, or I don't want to get up today. You're still Fuck as no. passionate about it today as you were back then. Oh, more. More. No, there's no – there's never – Ever. I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm yeah, not trying to like no, talk tough. I, I mean, I, I, your honest answer. I never waver in my determination to build the largest and best privately held brokerage in America and a whole bunch of ancillary businesses that'll be bigger than all the other businesses in that space too. What do you think are some of the characteristics of someone that is great in this business that maybe is just a great realtor? We'll start there. Uh, great realtor. They got to be personable. They got to be willing to put themselves out there. They have to have a, a natural knack. I think they got to be a people person. They got to be a people person. You know, I know some agents that, you know, they've been doing it 30 years so they can treat people like shit and they get away with it. But generally speaking, that doesn't fly. You need to be a people person. And uh, I think the agents that are even a cut above can think of some of some in our company. They're agents that take an interest in the market. Uh, Jerry's pointed that out, you know, and, and you know, because there's there's top agents, some of them are top agents because they made themselves superstars or the market got hot when they made themselves a superstar. But then there's people that are top agents but are even like next level or that know how to navigate different markets. You have to really care. It, it, like me. I mean, I, you yeah, know, I, I'm a, a very strange personality because I'm obviously a D, but I'm also – I have C personality in me too where I, I'm obsessed with reports and data and if you have some of that, you'll be even better because you'll truly understand the market at your core. So I know you had done a video at one point, 99 Problems. <laughs> yeah. Laugh about that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me what's one of the biggest challenges that you've had so far in your career and how did you get past it? How do you try to hopefully not have it happen again? Yeah, well, I mean, look, when you're running a business, you have problems. That, it, 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 I, I, it's funny. I said this in that video. And then a week later, I was watching a Tony Robbins video where he said one of the problems that business owners have is they think they're not going to have problems. And I was like, holy shit, I said that in my video a week ago, but his video was like three years old and he knows better than I do. Obviously, he's Tony Robbins. But I um, I just go into my day expecting that that's going to happen. And that's why I don't really get thrown off by it. And I just know that that's the way it goes. Uh, now, when you, you asked yeah. a specific question. 
what is something that you've had to deal with? It's what would you say without having to get into too many details about it, but what's yeah. one of the biggest challenges that you face? One of the challenges that bothers me to this day, um, and I still haven't overcome it, is local realtors around where we are with our headquarters, around where I grew up, around where I had my first office, around we have a little bit of a harder time or, or a lot of a harder time recruiting the top agents. And I know for a fact that is because they look at me like, I don't want to go to his company. I worked in the same office as him 15, 20 years ago, and I don't want to be working for him. And it bothers me. And, and, and I've accepted it. You know, I, I mean, just look at the data. Every market we're in, or almost every market we're in, we have at least one of the top agents in that market. And in some cases, two of the top or three or four or five or certain markets like Lemonster, we have like almost all the top agents in that market. And here, locally, the top agents, it's male dominated. And I have this problem much more with males because males run on ego much more than females do. Uh, and I happen to be in an area where it's male dominated. So that is a problem that I haven't overcome yet, but I hope to. Gary, uh, Gary, uh, uh, I almost mentioned a friend's name. Gary Keller is what I meant to say. He struggled with this a bit uh, when he was opening in Austin. Uh, How the story goes, I don't know exactly, don't quote me, but he did better with his office that he opened that was an hour away that he did in his local town office. Um, Which is Worcester compared to Waltham for Worcester to Waltham. Look at that. It's the same story. And I've never spoken to him about it, but there's also another guy who built just a tremendous mortgage company who I did speak to about it. I don't want to mention the name, but um, I guess it doesn't matter. But Victor, the owner of Guaranteed Rate, the founder, a very successful person that I look up to. And he and I talked about this one time in Chicago, and he said, Anthony, it took me 10 years to overcome that. 10 years as a mortgage brokerage model to get the locals to say, all right, I'm going to work with Victor. And, uh, and I still struggle with it and it, and it irritates me, but it is what it is and I've accepted it and we've overcome it in many other ways, clearly. So what advice would you give to broker owners in this market right now? What should they be focused on? Because obviously things are changing. Yep. We're going back into that lower market. So yep. slower. What, yeah. Yeah. Slower yeah. market. So what is it that you think that they should be focused on right now to well, keep the brokerage alive, healthy during this time? They got to be on offense and you got to be on offense at all times. And I'll tell you something, I'm on offense at all times, as you know, and that's why we were growing. That's not the only reason you guys are a big reason, but why we were growing 40 to 60% a year. Now that in 2022, what did we grow? I don't know, three, four percent by transaction, right? This year we're hoping to be up ten percent, but I'm not convinced we're going to be. It depends how well we do with acquisitions this summer. Um, but now, if you're not on offense, I, I, what I'm getting at is this: if you were a broker owner that wasn't leaning forward, that wasn't on offense in the last two to three years, you could get away with it because the market was growing you. Now, if you're not on offense, you're going to be down thirty to forty percent if you're on the East Coast, and you're going to be down forty to fifty if you're on the West Coast. And it ain't going to be fun. So now you're reasoning, you know, your need, the necessity to be on offense and lean forward and train your agents and put out good information for consumers and educate your agents, educate buyers and sellers. Now that need is up tenfold. And I'll tell you this, if you're not up for the, for that game, you need to look at, um, joining a company. You need to look at getting bought out before your company dwindles to nothing because, we're going to see a lot of that in the and next few years. you want it years. to be still worth something before. That's the thing. And, and some people are proactive and some aren't. We obviously are going to continue to grow the company. 
uh, you know, maybe we're having a couple of uh, pump in the road years here for the whole market, but um, I'm very confident that within, uh, put it this way, at the latest, by the end of 23, we will be back to large growth every year um, because we're really focused on acquisitions at a level that we've never been, as you know. Uh, and once you start acquiring and, you know, growing in chunks, growing with 20 agents, 50 agents, 100 agents, we'll be back to that 20, 30, 40, 50% growth a year. Um, and the, the, the future goal, the future plan, uh, we're the number two independent in New England now, will be the number one. And then um, uh, eventually we'll get to number two overall. Uh, and then we're going to have a few-year battle uh, with one of our competitors, the biggest one, who's been uh, number one in New England since 2002. And, and, I, and I believe we're going to beat them. Very worthy competitor, a lot of great people there. Um, brand name that's been around 140 years. But I believe we will pull ahead of them in New England. And uh, we're extremely focused in Florida. Uh, Florida's been off to what I would refer to as a good start. I'm not ready to say great just yet. But we're looking for acquisition opportunities in Florida. Uh, we're also looking at opening an office probably further north than where we are. We're, we're doing good in Fort Lauderdale. But it's becoming increasingly obvious to me that we can probably do great if we go about an hour north. So we're poking up around in that area, West Palm, Jupiter, places like that. Um, I suspect, though I'm not sure because it's opportunity spe uh, specific, but I suspect that that'll be the next place that we that we open an office. But who knows? I could get a call today from a great company in Orlando that wants to sell or a company in the southwest Florida. My aunt, who I'm very close with, has a house in southwest Florida. Uh, so, you know, our plan is to continue to grow the business. I'm 42 years old. I have, there's no chance of selling. There's no chance of any of that. My children are still young. Uh, I think we have a great uh, team of leaders here in the company that we have at least a 20-year run with, and then we'll have to see what that next generation group's going to be. Um, we will definitely recruit uh, some younger folks into that top-tier team in the years to come so that we can replenish. When you know, uh, I want to be aware of that because I plan to work till I'm – much older. I don't plan to retire in my 60s. That could change, of course, but I strongly doubt it. Uh, I was joking with my daughter and my wife recently about how I'll be working when I'm 90 and my daughter will be yelling at me to slow down. If you wanted to work when you were seven, I doubt that you're going to stop yeah, when you're 70. I agree. It's all I know. And here's the thing, and I mean this sincerely, to me, it's not work. It's not. It's a game. I play a game every day. It's a fun game. It's a challenge. Uh, and here I am. I'm the person that says we're not playing games. We're doing business here. So I'm contradicting myself with some of my sayings. We get it, though. It's a passion. It's so. a, I love it. I look at a guy like Rupert Murdoch, 92 years old or 90 years old, and they're still doing deals. Now, do I want to still do you know 80 hours a week and have to do recruiting appointments and all that and, 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 and occasionally jump in on conversations with buyers and sellers? No, I don't. I, by then, I don't think that's something I'll be interested in. But I want to build the brokerage dramatically. I want to dramatically build the property management company. You know, as I get older, I'm very focused on reoccurring revenue sources. Um, the training company is, it's been, it's been an infant for five years. And, and it's about to become, a, or maybe it's been a toddler, I should say. Yeah, it's about to become an, uh, an adolescent here uh, in the next couple of years. We've been asked to get into coaching for many years. The pressure is building dramatically. I've had four coaching uh, four coaching requests in the last uh, week. And one of the things that's different is now the people that are asking me to coach them have large businesses. 
Um, so I think we're going to really, we're going to launch a coaching arm of Crush It and Real Estate Inc. Um, and that, as you know, complements Lamakia Realty. Uh, and I'm, uh, I will confess publicly, I haven't yet, but I will on this podcast to give a little extra. I'm back involved uh, in the family business, as you know, for three years, and I haven't been talking about it. Uh, very much. Uh, my brother is the one that runs the company, Lamakia Landscape Construction. He is the president of that company. He does a terrific job. I'm extremely proud of my brother. Um, and I'm part owner of that company uh, along with him. And uh, we have high aspirations for that. It's not my day-to-day, but it is uh, something that I spend a few hours, a couple hour meeting with my brother a week or every other week and a conversation with my brother every day. And, yeah, and it know, makes sense. It complements all the other Of course it does. Things, so. I mean, remember, well, not so remember, like but... In a bagel shop, like it's literally... <laughs> of course. You know? And here's the thing with property management. To really make property management worth it, you have to have ancillary businesses. And for us to have the snow and the landscaping and the landscape construction and those types of things in the Lamakia families of companies is advantageous. Yeah. And and that was my vision for several years. And, you know, what do they say? Uh, there's a mafia joke. Once you think you're out, they pull you back you right in, back right? right? Yeah. Pull you in. <laughs> so that's what happened. And, uh, and I'll tell you, it's been fun. I don't work with my dad day to day. Him and I never could. We're both nuts when we get mad and it just doesn't work. But I, I got to admit, I really enjoy talking to him about the business and, and uh, talking to him about the future plans and um, being in, so involved and in talking to my brother and guiding my brother on, on what he's doing. I obviously have significant more business experience and he's been great about it. And, and I'll tell you, my dad actually gives me advice for the, the real estate companies. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I think, you know, me. yeah, <laughs> he's a smart guy. He's a wild character, but he, he but when I talk to him about, Hey, I'm having this dilemma or this, or I'm, I'm debating about this or that. He's a great person to bounce things off of because he has a, a different way of thinking and sometimes gets me to look at something from an angle that I wasn't thinking, or maybe I was, but not enough. And one thing about dad, you never, I never have to wonder what he's thinking ever. And I don't love that all the time, but I know I need it. Right. So anyway, that's the story. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for being so honest. I think there's some stuff in here that you talked about that, like, we haven't really talked about. Yeah, before, yeah, a so little more that's detail. That's that people got uh, a little. Jeez, we went on for side. fifty minutes. Yeah, you know that's what we do. Jesus, we you told me thirty, yeah. Lindsay. I know, I know. Well, we'll we'll edit it down. Well, I think one thing we probably didn't get into enough was um, some of the specifics on the brokerage side. I mean, that's where we have our biggest audience, obviously, and maybe we do that down we'll the road. We'll do another episode. Yeah, maybe do that Stay at that season four that. or something. Yeah, there you go. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Anthony, for taking the time today and for being such a huge role model to me and to so many in the company and in the industry, honestly. So it's been fun to be a part of it with you. So Well, I thank you for that, and I thank you for all the hard work that you do. I, I remember like yesterday being on my back porch one uh, weeknight, and I got an email that said, Here we go. marketing guru <laughs> seeking innovative real estate company. Yeah, yeah that's the And email. that, is, folks, is how we met. That's how we met. And I will tell you, I've been, uh, you are a star. And and some, I'll give another inside scoop, Okay. This isn't about me. This we is have an inter- we have an internal <laughs> joke. Um, the joke's kind of worn off now that the years are going on. But we've had a joke years back with me and some of the top team. Uh, you know, I, we would joke that I taught them and all that. So one day, Angela and I were talking about how fantastic Lindsay is. This is probably four years ago, and Angela goes, "Yeah, 
And on that one, you can't claim to have taught her everything. <laughs> but I would say now, it's definitely the percentage has gone up. Well, so, you know, it's okay. been seven years now, yeah. which is crazy. So, But Anyways. I appreciate you and I appreciate yeah. all the work your team does. And, I mean, marketing is, uh, uh, as you know, marketing and recruiting are the two biggest things I'm involved in. So you and I work together a lot. I bother you a lot, nights, weekends, and your husband's terrific. He puts up with it, and, uh, you know, I, I know he doesn't. And, uh because he believes in the mission too. Yep, and, and that's absolutely. great. So thank you. Well, like I said in the beginning, it's not just a podcast anymore. Go check out our YouTube channel and watch our podcast playlist to see all the great episodes from this season, starting with this one. We will see you on the next episode of the agents who crush it in real estate. Thanks guys. Thank you for tuning in to the agents who crush it in real estate podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it with your friends and colleagues and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. If you're interested in being a guest, email us at info at crushitinre.com. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to crush it in real estate.